Family, it's a privilege to be able to share God's word with you today. And as you know, we're in this new series called The God of All Things. We've looked at earthquakes, the sun, the rain, and by God's grace, we've started to see how these everyday parts of creation testify, they point us to the glory of the God who made them. That's why in Isaiah, we see the prophet Isaiah talking about heaven. He has a vision and he mentions that there are angelic beings who cry out in chapter six, they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. The whole earth is true of heaven, but they say the whole earth, this earth is full of his glory. So what we're, I guess, in trying to endeavor, what we're trying to do with these sermons is rediscover God so that by God's spirit, our own lives will overflow with that same chorus, with that same song that the angels also sing. And so today we're going to be looking at rainbows and we're going to be in Genesis 9, a very familiar passage of scripture for many of us. But before we go there, I almost want to state the obvious, something that we all know. And that is that as humans, we get let down and we also let other people down ourselves. And it starts off quite early in our lives. I'm sure most of us can remember a time or, yeah, an occasion where maybe a parent or a family member, they promised something, but it didn't actually come to pass. It didn't really materialize. Maybe you can sympathize with my wife. She, till this day, is still owed a McDonald's from her uncle. He would call the house when she was young and talk to her and talk to the family, say hi and whatnot, and say, I'm going to come round. And when I come, I'm going to bring some McDonald's with me. And like I said, till this day, she is still waiting for it, still waiting for it. I'm sure some of us can relate. And if you are that uncle, please do go and buy that McDonald's. But it's true, right? We make promises and sometimes with no intention of keeping them. Sometimes we make promises just to make the other person feel loved. But there's no will, there's no desire, and there's no ability to actually bring that to fruition. And in some situations, we have every intention of keeping them, but circumstances arise that make it hard, that make it difficult, if not impossible, and sometimes altogether just discourage us from wanting to keep that promise. Unfaithfulness, so to speak, is a function of a world plagued by sin. But in this passage of scripture that we're going to read from today, we're going to see how this somewhat incredible appearance, this multicolored ark that appears in the clouds after the rain has poured, points us to the God of promises, to the God who is forever faithful to keep them, who knows every circumstance and yet remains faithful to his covenant. So with that, let's turn in our Bibles now to Genesis 9. We're going to read And then I'm going to focus particularly on verses 11 to 17. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it, and from man. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. 
for God made man in his own image. And you be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. So a very familiar passage of scripture and one that I guess we can be very familiar with. And I guess the problem or the danger is that we become over familiar. And so I don't wanna just rush on. I think what we need to do is actually look at some of the passages that come before this. Because if we don't, if we don't pick up some of the things that have come before this passage, we will hinder or it will hinder our appreciation of what we've just read. So just a quick summary. In chapter six, God assesses the state of the world as he still does today. And he judges that the world is corrupt, so corrupt that he has to send a flood in judgment that will wipe out every living creature from the face of the earth. The only exceptions are Noah, who finds favor with God, his wife, his three sons and their wives, and two of every kind of animal. And God tells Noah to build an ark that will save them from this coming judgment, the ark pointing us to our Lord Jesus Christ. He's not a wooden ark, but he died on that wooden cross and he saves us from the judgment that is to come. Then in chapters seven and eight, God sends the flood. He sends the flood of judgment. Noah and his family are safe and the animals are safe on the ark. And then in about a year, they disembark onto this new world. But at the end of chapter eight, God makes a covenant. He makes a promise to Noah, which we just read. In fact, God restates this in chapter nine that we just read. But within that dialogue, that God has with Noah. God says something that I think is interesting and we should not miss. He says to Noah in Genesis 8, 21, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. So check this, God makes a promise to Noah. And as you picked up in chapter nine, that promise wasn't just for Noah alone. It was for every living creature, including you, including you and me. But don't miss it. God makes this promise. He makes this covenant with Noah, knowing full well that the very recipe that led to the whole earth being filled with violence and wickedness in the first place, the very recipe that led to God's displeasure and therefore judgment 
was also still present in those who are coming off of that ark. That recipe being sin of the human heart. Let me just read it again. He said, I will never again curse the ground because of man, even though the intentions of man's heart is evil from his youth. But yet, knowing all of that, God still makes the promise. And he gives us the rainbow as a sign that he will be faithful to that promise. And he has. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that phenomenal. Why? Because none of us make promises to people knowing that they are going to be unfaithful. We don't do that with our money. None of us make promises knowing that the full weight of keeping it lies and rests solely with us. We have a whole insurance industry that thrives off the reality that the policy or the contract that they enter with you is not going to pay out straight away. And if there's a high probability that it will, they will ensure that you pay through the roof in premiums or they won't even enter into a covenant with you in the first place. Or if they're dodgy, they will just find a way of backing out altogether. Now, I have nothing against insurance. I've got insurance myself and that's a simplistic analogy, but I'm hoping that you get the point. While we sometimes fail to keep promises and most definitely shy away from those who won't keep up their side of the covenant, God makes promises to those who are prone to be faithless. And yet he promises that he's going to be faithful to them. That was Noah and his sons as they stepped off the, as they stepped off the ark. That was Israel in the wilderness as God saved them from slavery in Egypt. And that's us the church who have been purchased from slavery to sin by the blood of Jesus Christ. God makes promises to us and he will remain faithful. And it's so important that we do not neglect this wonderful truth. It's almost like the rainbow, if we're honest. We see it a lot. We see it around and sometimes we can overlook its wonder. But just think about it for a moment. How can it be that in one moment, in one like, situation experience where we're, we're having, we see dark clouds, we see the rain that can sometimes invoke fear and terror, gloom and sadness. And then in the next moment, we're experiencing feelings of awe and delight as we behold the beauty of the rainbow in those very same clouds. I can only imagine what it must have felt like for Noah and his sons, barely escaping judgment, but only because of their relationship with their father, Noah, the righteous one, they were saved. But God, he breaks through into their lives with the beauty of his promise. In verse 11, God says, never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. And then he ties that promise purposefully to the observable beauty of the rainbow that he set up to come after the rain. And in fact, we see this time and time again in scripture. Take, for example, the book of Isaiah. God pronounces judgment on the kingdoms of Israel and Judah because of their idolatry and really their rejection of him altogether. But yet in the midst of that darkness, God comes through with a beautiful promise. Isaiah 54 verse 8 to 10 reads this. It says, in a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your redeemer. To me, this is like the days of Noah, when I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I have sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet 
my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Church, this is our God. And in fact, this is each of our stories if we're in Christ. God is clear in his word that we were dead in our sins and trespasses. We were, as it were, sitting under the dark clouds of condemnation. Yet because God so loved the world, because God was faithful to the promise that he made to Abraham, that through his offspring, all the nations, all the families of the earth will be blessed. We, each of us here, who are from different nations, but through faith in Jesus Christ, the true son, the true descendant of Abraham, have received the beauty of God's salvation. No longer do we sit under dark clouds of condemnation, but we sit under the beauty of God's grace. And guess what? God is still faithful to that promise today, in case there's anyone here who has not yet repented and bowed the knee to Jesus. So church, rainbows are there to remind us. They're there to point us to our great God of promises, the God who is faithful to keep them, especially in the dark seasons of life. But what we also see in this passage, and this is probably the main thing that God is trying to emphasize with Noah, is that that rainbow as a sign will be a reminder for him. Let's look at verses 13 and 15. It says, I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. God says to Noah and he says to us, I will remember my covenant when I see the bow, when I see the rainbow in the clouds. Now, God's not telling us that because he's prone or somehow he's going to forget. No, he says that to us because he wants us as his people to be assured that he will keep that promise. Whenever we see a physical rainbow, we are to be reminded that God will remember, that he will keep his promises. Because really and truly, it's you and I. We're the ones to be prone to think that God has forgotten us when life becomes pear-shaped. We see that in Exodus with Moses. The Israelites are in slavery, in bondage, and it says that they cry out for help. But it doesn't say they cry out to the God who is faithful. They don't say they, it doesn't say they cry out to the God of their fathers who has made promises to them. It's only in chapter 4 when God meets with Mo, or God after God meets with Moses that we then see God come, Moses come and saying that God of your fathers has met with us. He's met with me and he has sent me with signs that he's going to rescue us. And it's only then that they believe. I'm sure many of us can relate to that, especially during this season. I know that I can. Maybe we felt God has forgotten us when we were bedridden with illness. Maybe when we lost our job. Maybe when we felt all alone. But whatever it may be, in the rainbow, God gives us a visual sign that he remembers his promises. Something which he provides, not us. Something that he causes to appear in the clouds, not us so that our worries are eased and our faith is restored. Just like the rainbow, it doesn't matter what country you're in. It doesn't matter what town or village you're from. As long as the sun is shining and there's water droplets and it can pass through it, that rainbow is going to appear. And, it's the same, and in just the same way, in the same way, it doesn't matter what situation you may be going through. 
It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your sex. It doesn't matter your bank balance. It doesn't matter whether you're feeling strong in faith or weak. Our God, Father, Son, and Spirit remembers and keeps the promises he has made, especially those that he has made to his people. And even as I was preparing this message, I was just reminded of of Phil and Sarah. Obviously, many of us um, have already heard the news that they are going to be church planting in Rotterdam. And as as I was reminded of them, I thought of this passage, um, Hebrews 13, verse 5, that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Words that I'm sure Phil and Sarah have probably meditated on before. Um, But as they go to a new country, God would say to them, just like the rainbow that you've seen in London, and you know that that rainbow is going to also appear in Rotterdam, so too will I remember to never leave you nor forsake you. And church, the same is also true for us here today. To a church wondering, how are we going to rebuild post-pandemic? The Lord Jesus says to us, I will rebuild my church or I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. To the one maybe wondering, when is God's justice or is God's justice and righteousness going to be established on the earth? God says to them, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. To the one wrestling with secret sin, the Spirit says to us, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Church, much more could be said about rainbows in scripture. But as we close, there are three things really that I want us all. There's three ways, should I say, that we can respond to this message. Things that we can do right away before God now. Or maybe even the next time we see a rainbow, we can do these things. And they are, one, praise and thankfulness to God for all the promises that he has given us in scripture. Two, praying boldly in light of those promises. And then lastly, three, repentance. The first two are taken from 2 Samuel 7. If you ever read that passage, you'll see that is where David, he asks God, he says, God, I want to build you a house. I want to build a temple for you. And God says, nah, that's not, that's not what's going to happen. In fact, I'm going to give you a promise, a gracious promise. And God says to him, I'm going to build you a house. <laughs> I'm going to build you a house of kings and rulers, descendants that will flow from you who will rule and reign over the earth forever. And we know who that final and last king is. It's none other than our Lord Jesus Christ, the righteous son of David, the son of God. But if you continue reading that passage, you'll see that in response, David, it says that David goes to sit before God and he is praising him and he is thankful over the greatness of this promise that God has given. But then it goes on to say that he starts to pray boldly in light of those promises, knowing that God will keep them. And then the last response of repentance is really taken from Paul's charge to the church in Rome. In Romans 2, it talks about how when God is patient with us, when God is kind, there's a purpose in it. And that includes even this promise that we've read today in Genesis um, to Noah and to us. God's purpose in his kindness towards us is that we would repent, that we would turn away from sin and turn and return back to him. And the beautiful thing that Noah didn't know then, and probably not in all of its fullness, but what we know now is that God has even given us a much more greater promise, much more greater than any promises that God has ever given. The new covenant, the new covenant, that through Jesus Christ, we can be saved, brought back, restored to God, 
and saved from the wrath that is to come. And he's given us an even more beautiful sign, much more beautiful than the rainbow that appears, though it's beautiful. And that is the body and blood of his son, Jesus Christ. So let me just pray for us as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God of promises. Thank you, God, that you are faithful to keep them. Thank you that you've given us signs. You've given us the rainbow, O Lord God, as a sign that you will remember and that you will be faithful to the promise to never destroy the earth by flood. But God, thank you for all the other promises that you've given to us. Oh Lord, help us to be reminded of them. Help us to search the scriptures, to see them and to thank you, to praise, to sing, oh Lord, to glory in you, Lord. And God, I just pray that you would also help us to pray boldly in light of them. Help us, Lord God, to search and bring these promises to you, knowing that God, you will do what you have said. And Lord, I also pray, help us to repent. Help us to repent of our unfaithfulness and help us to be more like you who is faithful to the very end. God, we thank you and I pray, Lord God, may your promises be fulfilled in us, your church, and may you and may your son, Jesus Christ, be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.